Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday. And we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our own reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the Deeper Dive podcast, uh, we're going super, super nerdy deep. Uh, this is <laughs> this is going to be great. Randy's face, I know this is radio, sort of, so you can't see his face, but he is incredibly excited about it. <laughs> and by that, I mean not, not really. But <laughs> but hopefully for some of you, this will be uh, this will be interesting. Uh, Debbie mentioned uh, in her sermon that um, there's some possible controversy uh, or intrigue over whether Rahab was uh, actually a prostitute uh, or not. Or an innkeeper. Or is an she innkeeper. a prostitute or an innkeeper? Right. So let's jump right into that. Why is that even, uh, why is that even an issue? Well, um, the first time I saw it was in my NIV study Bible. The and infamous NIV study Bible, <laughs> which, is, which is great, by the way. It is yeah. a great study Bible. Yeah. I like it. And it... Um, it lifts up things that um, re- require, in, for me anyway, require further study, and it just kind of throws a flag out there. And there was a star by a uh, prostitute, and it said, could be um, translated innkeeper. So yeah. I looked a little further because I have to, full disclosure, I've never thought about that before, never really cared. Can I say that out loud? I never really cared. Yeah, no. But, but anyway, so I did look into it. Well, maybe yes. we can pause right here. Why is that even? Why why would that even be interesting uh, to people? I mean, does it really change the story? Um, is it something that uh, is of any value? I think so, um, because um, an innkeeper um, and a prostitute would have a very different uh, perspective on things. An innkeeper. Um, would have a perspective of welcoming and helping. A prostitute would have a perspective of using, I think. Sure. That would be my my guess on that. I don't want to stay there, Isaac. I want to go on. <laughs> That's fine. Because I just think I'm it's not always... as chicken, because yeah. I'm more chicken than you. Yeah. Well, I just think it's, it's you know, whenever we kind of uh, jump into these alternative language issues, I think there's always something that sits in the background mm-hmm. of why we would even want to want to do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that does kind of skew uh, sure. our interpretation. Well, so and it, it, cleans the story, it cleans the story up a little bit. <clears throat> it does. Makes us feel a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm always intrigued to see what other pronunciation or not, what other translations could be and why. Right. Um, I took one and only one course in seminary um, on... In, on Hebrew, and mm-hmm. it wasn't actually the Hebrew language; it was words of the Hebrew Bible. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. how to look at Hebrew? Right. Um, and I learned some very, very basics, most of which I've forgotten in the last forty years. Right. But um, and as, for those who are new to this whole, you know, Bible in in other languages kinds of things, mm-hmm. like we just kick to that, like it's some kind of yeah. Sorry, you should know this. So, the Old Testament is originally written in in Hebrew, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we have you know some. Some not super early, but some some early manuscripts of that. But 
Um, the Old Testament was quickly translated into other languages as well, but originally it was written in the Hebrew language. So, right, right. Uh, New and Testament, you, not the case. New Testament was originally Greek. written in Greek, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, what you want to do is to look at the original language mm-hmm. and try to figure out what that word was, because we can. I guess we should talk about that at a different time, but we can very quickly um, morph what those words mean because they were. Even English words mean something different today than they did 200 years ago. Sure, language is uh, is is tricky in any in it any is. culture at it any is. time. Um, yeah, it's it's always uh, contextual. But right. there's a, a certain um, clarity and a certain uh, kind of foundation that we're all assuming that mm-hmm. when we say something to each other, there's meaning that's interpreted through it. So it's not a you know not everything's up for grabs, but not everything's super clear either. It's right. this weird kind of middle space that right. we have to sit in and right. wrestle with. Yeah. So in the original Hebrew language, um, when it was a written language, um, co- uh, vowels were not put in initially. Sure. Um, they were added mm-hmm. later. So the vowels for, right. I mean the consonants, yeah. for the word prostitute are in English Z-N-H. And those are the same consonants for a woman who gives food and provision. So if you were to give right. a different kind of vowel mm. in there, right? You know, right. it would give a different language. Or yeah, different so meaning. the Hebrew language is kind of a fun, a fun language. And if you've ever heard modern Hebrew, you get a sense of the very consonant heavy, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tenor of, of this language. And, you know, paper is something that was a, a very scarce commodity, mm-hmm. um, things to write on very scarce commodities. So it was a way of kind of, uh, saving, uh, resource, um, you kind of inferred the vowels and right. it's kind of what we call pointing. So the vowels were written underneath of the mm-hmm. text. So Hebrew is a, a language that goes from uh, right to left and not left to right. And so to save even some more space on that, um, the vowels were kind of tucked in underneath later. But even if we took vowels out of our own English language, we could pretty much get the same um, kind of meaning. Right. So a great example of that for us today, if you're on Twitter at all and you follow Calvary on Twitter, our our Twitter handle is the word Calvary without the vowels. All right. Oh. So that's that's one that's one um, uh, one way to kind of see mm-hmm. that today. People do that as well, mm-hmm. um, taking out vowels here and there to save to save some space. So it's not uncommon, mm-hmm. um, but it can get a little confusing um, sometimes, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, so what you're talking about is these these two words in Hebrew, in written Hebrew, uh, would would look the same, um, but when they were said, they would be said differently mm-hmm. because people would fill in the values based on based on the context right, around what they knew. them. Mm-hmm. And so here in this text, there's some discrepancy over mm-hmm. what that might be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which puts us in a weird place, I guess, right? So how do we decide which one it is? Yeah. Is there any is there any other thing to help us in that, I guess, is the is the question yeah. that I always come to. And is there, Isaac? I would say yes. I would say there's <laughs> lots of things um, to help us there. And that's where uh, we start to talk about the, the Bible being um, a collection of texts that help interpret itself, mm-hmm. that it's not always self-referential that it, it it lets things from outside of itself help interpret itself to mm-hmm. like the mechanics of language mm-hmm. in general 
but it also is a document that that speaks to itself and is self-referential and help helps interpret itself. So the more you know about its totality and full, the better the smaller pieces come into focus. So this is a great example of that um, because as you talked about on Sunday, this text in Joshua is not the only place that we see Rahab, right? right? right. So there are other texts that mention right. Rahab, and several of those happen to be in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And what I talked about before with the Old Testament being written in Hebrew, originally, the Old Testament that most folks in the New Testament would have been reading was not in Hebrew. It would have been in Greek. So when uh, the, the authors of the New Testament, when the folks in contemporary times of the New Testament would have been reading the Old Testament, they most likely would have been reading a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, which is a really fun mm-hmm. word to write and and say mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. Uh, but it's uh, it's written in Greek, and so one of the the things that help us kind of interpret that original Hebrew text is to go look at the Greek text for um, or the Greek words that that uh, get mm-hmm. translated in the Old Testament. And so in the Septuagint version of of Joshua. Um, it's very definitely there is no discrepancy in Greek mm-hmm. between an innkeeper and a prostitute. So the right. folks who, by the time the Septuagint was uh, put into place, by the time um, you know Joshua was translated into Greek around the first, it was not the first century, but mm-hmm. when those first century readers read it, um, they they definitely saw that as prostitute. Those three mm-hmm. Hebrew letters that could go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then certainly when James is writing his, he uses that word as well. Um, uh, when uh, Matthew is writing his gospel, uh, he uses the word for prostitute as well. So there's some, there's some clarifying uh, situations there that help us interpret that. And if we really want to undo that, then we've, we're pulling that string all the way back and we're saying not only did... Uh, you know, they got it wrong as well, mm-hmm. um, which is a really, I, you can make that claim, mm-hmm. I think, but you have to, re- that's a, that's a tough piece of evidence to, to overcome. Right. Know? Unless the, um, um, their, their, um, foundation was so strong because, um, it had been translated as, um, um, as prostitute for so long. Right, um, that's what I'm saying. And, and is it, yeah. You've got a lot of precedent to you overcome. Do, yeah. I mean, it's like legal precedent in that sense. Right. Like we've, you know, we're relying on the work of others before us right. in order to get this well. Right. And so when, when we, as people in the 21st century, come back in and go, all right, there seems to be some discrepancy here. Um, our case has to be... Uh, not just, I think, equally as strong from a skeptical perspective to say this might be like that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to say um, why they would have gotten it wrong and kind of trace that line completely through. And so, there's, I think, a demand for some higher scholarship uh, in order to undo that. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I don't see that here mm-hmm. at all. And and then I I, I kind of get a little grumpy with the NIV. <laughs> <laughs> at at this point, I mean the note on that because it seems 
it seems like a, just a, a CYA kind of a note, yeah. <laughs> not to be yeah. too crass about it. Yeah. Um, to go, well. Your letters go to Isaac Gaff <clears throat> mm-hmm. at Calvary United sure, Methodist Church. Go, right. okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, to go, you can't just drop that in there and then run away. You know? And yet, I think that's kind of fun <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it 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 is kind of like full disclosure. There is a possibility this could be something different. Oh sure. And um, I always figure that the people who did those translations know language a whole lot better than I do. Right. And so that kind of gives me um, something to go on. It does, um, uh, but you know, in the so here's I think where we get to kind of the what what is the point of mm-hmm. you know reading scripture of looking at language of mm-hmm. understanding the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the point of that? Is it just to have, um, you know, a great little intellectual exercise about, you know, could this word mean this? Could it mean this? Could it mean this? Do we have all these kind of smattering of meanings that we get to play with? And the answer to that, I think, is no. I mean, it's not really that. That's not what we're in this for. Um, And so when we think about, you know, this translation, especially with Rahab, that's why I started off with like, what are our own assumptions about this? Are we trying to clean this story mm-hmm. up? Are we trying to make it less sensational, mm-hmm. you know, to go, we don't want any business with prostitutes here. This right. doesn't seem to fit our own narrative about how... Our own, but yeah. it certainly fits God's because God it, continues to use all kinds of... I mean, not just now, but right. in scriptures, all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds. Exactly. And it, and it fits very well, um, I think, within Jesus' own ministry in the Gospels, right? So mm-hmm. again, he's hanging out with prostitutes and criminals. However, <laughs> how, however it yeah. also, the innkeeper would make sense because of the location of the house. Oh, sure. Um, which would have been on or in the wall mm-hmm. um, near the gate. Right. Um, and no matter whether she was a prostitute or an innkeeper, you know, um, that probably where she was, her house, was probably like an inn or tavern or some kind of place where people gathered. Sure. Um, Most and, brothels are. I mean, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not personally experienced, but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and I found that as I looked at at where her uh, her place was, because actually right. reading the scripture, it kind of got a little confusing in terms of, um, you know, you let down a rope over outside of her window and, and they're, they're gone. And they're gone, right. And so where was this house? Yeah. And, and it was kind of fun to look into that. And, and um, um, it's possible that it was on top of the wall because it was a sure. wide wall. Right. So it could have been on top of the wall, which I think is kind of interesting. You know, they have a little ladder to get up there. What? Um, or it could have been that the wall was um, actually two walls that are parallel. Right. Um, with uh, little uh, dividers between, and her house would have been in one of those. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's just pretty cool anyway. So it's not just beside, it's actually either on top of or in the wall, um, which right. describe, which which explains then how she could let them out a window and, right. and they would be gone. Yeah. Um, um, and um, and the other thing with the the flax on top of the um, uh, the roof indicates that uh, she might have been a very successful businesswoman. Oh sure, right. Um, and uh, that's another uh, right. call for mm-hmm. maybe she had a different profession. Sure. Um, so it's just it's just kind of fun. And these stuff are to look all at. yeah. These are all uh, 
great theories. Yeah. Um, and what I think they they really help us do when we when we approach them well is to to help us move inside that text mm-hmm. um, even deeper. Mm-hmm. That uh, scholarship of the text in and of itself is not something that kills the text. It's mm-hmm. not something that sets it off at a distance. It's something that helps us actually enter into it mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. And so I think when, when we do that, um, it's great. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not the only way to do that. It's mm-hmm. not an exclusive way to do that. Um, but it is a great and valid way to do that when approached well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, I think for, you know, those in our congregation, those who are listening that are sometimes skeptical of that, I think, uh, there's no reason to be skeptical mm-hmm. of that. It's fun. And for those who, you know, on the other side of that demand that at all costs, you don't have to demand that at all costs. Mm-hmm. The, this mm-hmm. is uh, scripture has a very unique way of working in the life of the church Absolutely. and does not need to be held by, um, simply a few or the mob or mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. speaks to all of those kinds of situations mm-hmm. and, uh, and does that well. Uh, well, lovely, uh, lovely language. Um, uh, a little circle, yeah. Spiral, I don't know, kind yeah. of spiral, spiral yeah. up, spiral down. However yeah. you want to, which direction you want to go. Randy's yeah. uh, saying down, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, I would vote that we get a little less geeky right now. No, no, no. Yeah, I want to. Well, oh, what, what do you want to do? No, I wanted to move to this other other issue that of lying? Uh, that you pitched. Yeah, yeah. Right, of of um, what they were actually doing in the text that that is not contra I mean it's controversial but it's not contested at uh, all. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean Rahab just lied. Um straight up lied. Straight up lied and I have to tell you that I can put up with a whole lot of stuff but lying is something that just um what's your phrase on that what about the wagon burns my wagon what does it do? Randy, you have a... Oh, there's several. One of them fries my wagon. Fries my wagon. I've never had a fried wagon, but that just fries my wagon when people lie. Um, And so when I look at Rahab's lying, I realize that... (laughs) I don't know what that means, Isaac. Talk about language. I know, fries. I don't know know what that means. Um, I don't know, but, but she, she told her fellow Canaanites, um, you know, they're gone, you know, go this direction. And and they're laying on her roof. Um, now, Randy knows that I am not a good liar. Um, I try to lie to him, not not to deceive him, but to tease him. Um, and he, ne- he never buys it because he can read it on my face. Um, but, um, but I, should we have trouble with this lie? Um, I mean, you know, could there have been another way, um, or are we looking um, too um, too straight up and down at "Thou shalt not lie"? You know what I mean? Um, I, I think there are times when we look too straight up and down. Um, when people are lying for their own personal gain, mm-hmm. that's one thing. At this point in time, she hadn't made the deal. Um, where when uh, Israel invaded that her household would be spared. Right. It may be in the back of her mind. It may have been something formulated, but it hadn't happened. And uh, I think I think she told that lie simply because she believed these men were men of God and uh, uh, at least a God that she had begun to understand um, 
uh, in a whole different way than previously. And uh, I mean, there's still something that cuts across the grain about lying, but there are also other times when uh, um, uh, it happens. <laughs> it, it's the alternative. I mean, you, you look at the alternative. Yeah. And so I, I hate to I hate to come out and say, well, lying's okay, because ultimately I don't believe that. But uh, in this case, I think it was okay. Mm-hmm. I think it was the only alternative that there was. Yeah, it obviously um, enabled um, the Israelites to, to get in, um, maybe they could have anyway, into Jericho um, um, and to, to let the spies escape so that they could come back and take the city um, and ultimately save Rahab and her family too. Um, but, you know, you just have to have to look at that. And, and I'm trying to think of other scriptures, and I didn't look this up before coming in, other scriptures in which people lied on God's behalf, you know, to try to, you know, I mean, David sure. lied a lot, but that didn't get him very far. Well, <laughs> and, well and David's I- lies were were not honorable lies. They weren't. You're right. You're right. And uh, God dealt with those lies That's and right. the consequences of those lies. Yeah. And I think lie, you know, lying on on God's behalf might be a little bit of a of a stretch uh, in the text to say it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it certainly. I think you certainly could come to that conclusion given given the data. Um, but I think there are also maybe some other conclusions that could be drawn as well. I mean, I think it's that difference between when we look at Scripture, uh, just that that simple bifurcation of is this prescriptive or is it descriptive? You know, is is this telling us what to do or is it describing what happened? Mm-hmm. And I think in this instance, um, it's definitely describing what happened. Right. I'm not sure what the prescription is for our own action. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not the commandment of don't bear fal- false witness against, yeah. you know, your brother or sister. I mean, that's essentially <laughs> right. what she did. but. It's describing a series of events that may or may not be favorable to repeat right. for us, you yeah. know, given given our circumstances now. Right. And I think that's always good to, to think about, mm-hmm. you know, when sitting down and, and looking at stories. I mean, certainly none of us would say, well, Rahab was a prostitute, so let's all go be prostitutes for Jesus. Right. You know, no one's saying that. Right. Because that's a really kind of stark contrast. But when we get into these areas that that we see in our world today as, quote unquote, necessary evils, you know, in order to get some good, we need to do this terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um it becomes a little bit harder to to make those decisions, I think. And mm-hmm. so it's it's always good for me because I, I really do want to see Scripture as authoritative mm-hmm. for my life and for the life of the church and for the life of the world. Um, but, to, but to do that, it doesn't always have to be prescriptive. Not every single uh, passage in there is something that we should be doing well yeah and and you know. and that passage doesn't say rahab lied so please go out and lie right um it just as you said just describes what she really kind of was forced into i don't know what her other choice could have been other than giving up the spies i mean um but the question is that um 
does does that then say to us, well, yeah, there is such a thing as situational ethics in which right. we can decide in a particular situation what to do, and we can't make far-reaching um, standards and say, you know, this is the way now and forever, and there are no exceptions to this. Right, right. Um, oh, you know, know, is there such a thing as a holy war, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you We're know, just getting it, into all of it today. <laughs> I know, I know. It just, it, it just, you know, it can just go there, and um, right. I'm not comfortable with that. Um, but, but it's just interesting to to look at the possibility of of that lie leading to situational ethics. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, all right. Well, send all of your uh, questions this week to, to Randy Randy at. <laughs> connect with calvary.org you'll be happy to answer all those in great detail Uh, but uh, the music is fading up as it as it does at the end so we're glad um, that you joined us today Um, if you next week we'll try to be less geeky no you know this is the place for okay isaac loves geeky it's it's great uh so if you do have questions, we actually would love to, to interact with you um, on those and, and try to answer those in dialogue with you about those. We might not have an answer, but we can at least keep the ball rolling in a, a decent direction, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Um, you can do that by a, a number of ways. You can um, go to the website and click the comment link. You can find that in the app. Uh, all kinds of ways to get uh, in touch with us. And uh, next week, we'll be back with a deeper dive into uh, the section of the Old Testament that runs from Joshua to the first king of Israel, Saul. So until then, grace and peace.